Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, and the first part of verse 13 read, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain. Pastors must constantly be equipping, and every saint must constantly be seeking to be equipped. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as we dig deeper into the concept of equipping and being equipped in today's slice of this week's message entitled, Until We All Attain. So keep equipping and being equipped until when? Well, until we all attain. Now, how do you know when you're there? Measured by what standard? Well, look again at verses 13 and 14. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Now, if you look carefully at that, you can pick out three goals, you might say, which mark the targets of our practicing these principles. What must I be equipped for and what must I be doing in my service? What must I be pursuing? There are three phrases here that all begin with the Greek preposition that we would translate unto or to, designating a goal. We are to press on to unity of faith and knowledge. Unity there is the same word that we saw in verse 3. As a matter of fact, this, this very word occurs only twice in the New Testament, both in this chapter. We're told that we are part of the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When you become a Christian, you are placed into the body of Christ. It is one. It is one unit. We don't create that unity. We are commanded to be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so we have to make sure that as we practice our faith toward each other, it is always nurturing and preserving that unity. Notice it is unity around, notice the phrase, the Son of God. Faith and knowledge, both are related to the phrase, the Son of God. There is only one true faith about the Son of God, and there is only one true set of facts by which anyone has knowledge of the Son of God. We are one in Christ, and we must constantly be nurturing and preserving our unity. Now look how the same apostle 
describes this same concept in different terms. He only chose to use this, this um, word unity twice, and both in this chapter. It's the word one in the sense of describing the things which are united or the oneness or the unanimity that we share. But look how Paul described this in another of his letters over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. He says this, Now, I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. Now, that's, that's a legitimate translation, but literally it is that you all speak the same thing. In other words, ask a question about the truth, ask any Christian, you should get the same answer. But I want you all to agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now back to our text. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, faith, in the sense of exercising faith, it's not some kind of a, of a feeling that you muster up. It's not the kind of thing that you have cheerleaders for to say, rah, rah, let's, let's believe. Let's believe harder. Oh, let's really, really, really believe. No, what it means when you say, I believe in the Son of God, it means I bind myself in obedience to the Son of God. That's what the word means. The, 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 the Greek word faith and the Greek word bind are etymologically related to each other. The result of functioning unity in the body with the right priorities is a unanimous commitment to having our lives governed by unfettered obedience to every aspect of God's truth. So faith in the Son of God means I'm patterning my life after Him. When I deal with someone, when I respond to them, when I answer a question, when I carry on a conversation with them, I want them to get an idea that, wow, there's something about that person. And that something is the presence of Jesus Christ. That's why the most important task in our ministry and any ministry is to establish the absolute authority of the Word of God. Teach people what the Word of God says, teach them to believe it, and to stop there. Don't go out and add to it, don't speculate, don't edit away from it the things that you don't particularly like. If you establish the absolute authority to the Word of God and the sufficiency of the Word of God, then everything else is a matter of time and until people grow in the faith. Now, unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is the, one of those uses of the word knowledge that in Greek has that little prefix in front of it that means accurate, full, precise, personal knowledge of the Son of God. Once you come to Christ, once a church becomes committed to the authority of Scripture and is established in submission to the authority of the Word, growth comes with knowledge. But not mere knowledge, thorough understanding that leads to more and more explicit and consistent obedience. Knowledge is irrelevant unless and until it leads to the obedience of faith. Without knowledge, faith is just a, a subjective mess. But knowledge and obedience, that's the formula for growth. 
True unity is spawned in the breeding ground of common commitment to obeying God's truth so that when it comes to anything of spiritual relevance, we all say the same thing. You get the same answer from everybody. That's how we preserve the unity of the Spirit which He creates at salvation. See chapter 4, verse 3. Now, there's a second target here. Till we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man. Interesting way to put that, isn't it? Mature is the Greek word teleos that means uh, full-grown. Describes something strong and well-built. It's used in both the physical and the spiritual sense. In Christ, to measure up to a mature man is anyone in whom knowledge of Scripture and obedience to the Lord are united. That is maturity. That's the fullness of what God wants it to be. When unity is lacking, well, there's no doubt there's immaturity present because when people are mature, they preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity and knowledge, knowledge and maturity, they are inseparable. Now, there's both a personal sense of applying that and a collective sense of applying it. Individually, you will only grow, you will only become more and more mature as you gain knowledge of the Word and improve your your obedience to the Word. Collectively, congregations grow as they become more and more mature in the Word. So he's talking to individuals, but he's talking to all the individuals together, which is the church, the body of Christ. Then there's one more target of this array of ways to measure spiritual maturity. The measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Uh, the word measure is one of those Greek words that I'll, that I'll say because there is a, an English transliteration of part of it. It's the word metron, from which we get our word metric. And I don't mean just a European way, European way of weighing things and measuring things. It means the, the measure of something. That's a good translation of it. You say, what are, the, well, what are the metrics for deciding if your product is a success or not? It describes the way to assess what something really is. Now, here we have the word stature that translates a word that means age, and it implies bodily size and height. People ought to be able to look at you and say, well, now that person has grown in the faith. A measure of spiritual maturity marked by development toward, and then here's a great phrase, the fullness of Christ. But now who wants to raise their hand and say, I have the fullness of Christ? Well, remember Paul's already and not yet? I'm already positionally perfect in Christ? but I'm not yet perfect in my practice, so I'm continuing to grow. But he's describing Christ's likeness. To be full of something means to be controlled by it. Just wait till we get to chapter 5 and you'll see the command to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying here, people ought to be able to get a whiff of what Jesus is like by seeing your church interacting with each other, 
or by seeing you interacting with someone and demonstrating the compassion and the truth of Christ. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.